Welcome to It's All About Jesus, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Eagle. You are listening to a Sunday morning message by Pastor Mike Sasso. If you would like to join us for church, we meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle, Idaho. You may also join us live streaming at that time. Go to cceagle.org at 10 a.m. to watch the whole service live. If you can't join us then, you can always go back and watch the video. Let's listen in to today's message. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. God had his way. So Isaac, in verse 33, Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably and said, Then who just served me wild game? I've already eaten it and I've blessed him just before you came. And yes, that blessing must stand. When Esau heard his father's words, he let out a loud, bitter cry, Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too, he begged. But Isaac said, Your brother was here and he tricked me. He's taken away your blessing. Esau exclaimed, No wonder his name is Jacob, the conniver, or supplanter, or heel catcher. Now he's cheated me twice. First he took my rights as the firstborn, and now he has stolen my blessing. He he got the whole package there. Oh, haven't you, Esau goes on, haven't you saved even one blessing for me? Isaac said to Esau, I have made Jacob your master. I have declared that all of his brothers will be his servants. I've guaranteed him an abundance of grain and wine. And what is left for me to give you, my son? Esau pleaded. But don't you have one blessing for me? Oh, my father, bless me too. Then Esau broke down and wept. Verse 39, finally, his father Isaac said to him, I think I could find something, muster up. You will live away from the richness of the earth and away from the dew of the heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. And it truly did happen that way. We don't have time to go into it all. But let me just ask you something. Isn't this a godly story? What, what is with this? This is not what I would pick as an example of righteousness. I think God goes out of his way over and over again, especially in the book of Hebrews in the Hall of Faith in chapter 11, to show us that righteousness is not always what it looks like. That God considers us righteous by trusting him. Now Jacob, um, he, was, he, he, he connived. His mother, Rebecca, helped him, co-conspirator. And yet God had his way. You see how God uses flawed people? But I also want you to know God uses faith people. And it takes believing God. Now this, don't go home and try to practice some of this stuff. You go, okay, well, he did it. Wait. In the New Testament era, we want to live righteous. We want to do the best we can. We want to believe God. We want to obey God. We want to live right. But these stories really make us think. They kind of stretch us. See, Isaac acknowledged that God had kept his word to Rebekah. I already read it in Genesis chapter 25. God made a promise. God kept his word. And guess who got the blessing? It was the younger, ended up uh, ruling, and the older served 
the younger. God won here. And so we go back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning the things to come. Concerning the things to come. Did Isaac ever see the, the mighty nation? Did he ever see the things he pronounced? I wish I could tell you. You could just think positive and and you know, there's books out right now. What is it? The, the secret? You know, you have to speak to the universe. Don't believe that garbage. And you know, the, the New Testament, there are, there are westernized Christianity that'll take things from occultic teachings like the secret and they'll incorporate it into Christianity and they'll make it seem like that's the way it works. You just believe God and it'll happen. No, what God says will happen and you believe that what he says will happen and you'll be okay but you don't start generating your own stuff and making your own realities, okay? That's what, what's wrong with our society today. Okay, so verse 21, by faith Jacob, when he was dying, he blessed each of the sons of Joseph and, he, and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. So here's the next character. It's, it's uh, by faith Isaac blessed, excuse me, I skipped my eyes, skipped, uh, Jacob when he was dying, okay? Now Jacob blessed Joseph's son. Now this is a long story. It's in Genesis chapter 48. And if you know the story, and what I always try to remember when I want to go back and get it all right, because I mix everything up, is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then Jacob had the 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel. And, that, and Jacob was called by God. Later in life, he called him. Your name will no longer be Jacob. It will be Israel. And we'll talk a little bit about that today if time permits. But... Um, one day, God got his attention. You see, there's not a whole lot to talk about in Jacob's life that's noteworthy that you would give him a pat on the back. Uh, he was a conniver. He was indeed a heel catcher. He was a deceiver. And he operated, if you read his story, mostly in the arm of the flesh rather than by faith as far as what we could see. He was a man of trickery and he mostly trusted himself and he often came out on top. And, and in verse 21, it says that he worshipped leaning on his staff. I don't know if you realize why he was leaning on his staff. That's an important story to know. Because one day, God got his attention. And, and God got a hold of him. Literally, got a hold of him <clears throat> in Genesis chapter 32. Jacob, the backstory was Jacob had, had a run away from Esau because of what he did. And he made his living and, and made his wealth and everything out there somewhere. And Esau ended up for a time operating his father's business and taking care of things at home. And finally, Jacob decided he's going to come home. I got I to come home. I got a wife now. I got a family. I got herds. I got property. Esau, don't be threatened by me. I'm not going to take anything from you. As a matter of fact, on the way home, he sends gifts ahead. He sends his wife and his kids, give, give Uncle Esau a big hug and give him these gifts and give herds and gifts, all kinds of stuff. He sent on ahead. And so Jacob decided, before I go, I'm going to spend the night out in the wilderness a little bit. And that story is in Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. Again, new living. Then Jacob left all alone in camp after he sent anybody, everybody up ahead. And a man came and wrestled with him until dawn began to break. Mystery man. Wrestler, when the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and he wrenched it out of, out of his socket. And then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and men and have won. 
This is significant because Jacob was always getting the upper hand, always winning his battles. And now he's fighting this mystery man. And he asked this man, mystery man, please tell me your name. And Jacob said, uh, excuse me, Jacob said that. And why do you want to know my name? The man replied. But then he blessed Jacob there. And Jacob named the place Peniel, which means the face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury of his hip. And that's why he walked with a cane, because that day God got his attention. Now, you could listen to all the different theologians arguing over who was that. Was it an angel of the Lord? <clears throat> was it a man representing God? We know that God sent this man to, to teach Jacob a lesson. Jacob, you always got to win, don't you? You, you, won't, you won't let me win. You just got you to win, right? Well, let me show you how easy it is for me to win. Bing! God had to teach Jacob a lesson. Have you ever wrestled with God? Have you ever, well actually the, the scripture says that the man wrestled with him. But I'm sure Jacob was wrestling back, right? So who wins when you wrestle with God? I'll tell you something. If you win, you lose, right? As a matter of fact, there's a lesson I decided to put this next fill in in just because it's an important lesson that I've learned and I want you to learn as well. Here's your next fill in. Sometimes God must wound us in order to heal us. Sometimes God must wound us in order to heal us. And sometimes we walk with a limp the rest of our lives that we might remember that lesson. Let me tell you again the whole thing. Sometimes God must wound us in order to heal us. And sometimes we will walk with a limp the rest of our lives so that we might remember that lesson. Now, I don't know if it really matters or not, but I... This story means a lot to me in a personal way because when I was in college, I thought I was tough. And I would take martial arts. I took, uh, in college, I took a Taekwondo class and a Judo, ju not Judo, just a Judo class. And I was always fighting. I was, a matter of fact, when I was in high school, my friend says, why do you always got to hurt people? Because I would always, I'd learn a new hole. They go, let me show you a new hole I'd learn. And they go, you're always hurting people. And... When I used to wrestle with, my, I know I don't look like it, but the, maybe it's mischievous. But when I was younger, people come over and they want to wrestle with me. My wife would always step up and tell the person I'm fighting with, you're going to get hurt. Because I was just always scrappy. Like my, my brother, Ron, who's a, who was a state champion wrestler, I'd always wrestle with him and he'd go, man, Mike, I remember you were always scrappy. I just wouldn't give up. And I, if I had to fight dirty to win, I'd fight dirty to win. Okay? All that to say, one day, in college, I took a judo class, and you learn all these different kinds of judo, and one of the things they're teaching us, believe it or not, sumo wrestling. I know, I don't look like, a, I'm glad I don't look like a sumo wrestler, but we were learning the art of it. You know, there's this big circle, people come in, you got to throw somebody out of the circle or put, make them touch the ground, whatever, you, and, and we would do the sumo, and I just learned a few throws, but I'd do it over and over again. Somebody who knew their, what they were doing was watching me. Idiot does the same throw every time. So, I'm in there, I put my hip in there, I'm going to do a throw. He, he kicks my leg, I fold in half. I was walking with a limp for a long time. I, to this day, well it hasn't happened in a long time, but I've had a trick knee. To the, every time I'd go out to fight somebody or mess around, my trick, my leg would get out. And I always felt like, 
you, the Lord is saying, you know what? I'm going to teach you. You're going to walk with a limp the rest of your life because I want you to show, I want to show you how tough you really are. You think you're tough? <laughs> your leg goes out all the time, you know? The Lord has ways of humbling us. That's my story, okay? And they're not going to make a movie out of it. It's not that special, okay? But we've all got stories of how the Lord humbles us. We've all got stories of how the Lord, really? Think. And we walk with a limp the rest of our life because he knows what it takes to humble us. He knows we need to be humbled. And that's what he did to Jacob. And I, I trust right now one of two things. Either, either you're thinking of something the Lord taught you, and you go, oh yeah, that has always been a weakness in my life because I wasn't listening to God, and now I'm walking with a limp because of it. I hope you could look back and go, thank you, Lord, for this reminder. Or number two, I hope maybe I could save you some trouble. I hope that maybe some of you, <clears throat> you're wrestling with God, and you shouldn't be, but he's going like this. Don't push it. He has a way of, with just a touch, getting us to walk with a limp the rest of our life. We will learn our lessons from God, and God will teach it to us because he's our God, we're his children, and whatever it takes, and it's worth it, but he'll do that, okay? Anyway, get carried away. Too many stories. Jacob was stubborn, and he was a prideful trickster, but God knew how to get his attention and, and uh, knew how to humble him. Next is Joseph. Let's see if we have time. We'll see, because I realize we have communion too. Joseph is verse 22. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the, the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Now, there's a whole lot of story to this, and if you want to go into his life in the growth group on your, in your midweek study, take, there's lots to talk about uh, to highlight his life. But of all the things to highlight in the life of Joseph, I mean, the guy had dreams and interpretations of dreams, and the Lord gave him visions and showed him things. This guy was a man of faith, a spiritual man. Lots of things to uh, look at. And matter of fact, he was betrayed over and over again or forgotten, and yet he remained faithful to God because he believed that God sees all the circumstances and God's in control. As a matter of fact, at one point in his life, after, after all was said and done, so much story, his brothers come to see him in Egypt, don't even realize it's him who he's about to save their life when he already, they already sold him into slavery years ago, had no idea he's still alive. And, and Joseph says to them, as for you, you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. That's how God works. That's the Old Testament, Romans 8, 28 verse. God will take what you think, oh no, I can't believe they're doing this to me. We have all got stories of betrayal and abandonment and hurt and pain. We've all got them. But a man or woman of faith is going to go, Maybe the devil's trying to kill me, but God's going to turn this around for good. That's a person of faith. That you believe God is, is greater. So of all the things in, in Joseph's life, what's, what's the Holy Spirit want to point out? By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning the bones. What? It's the anticipation of faith, something way in the future. Joseph believed God's word and looked ahead to what was not yet. And, and God had promised Abraham long ago. As a matter of fact, in Genesis 15, uh, he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, 
and will serve them, and they will afflict them for 400 years, and also the nation whom I serve, whom they serve, I will judge afterwards, and they will come out as great possessions. What God told Abram is, I know I'm going to make you a father of many nations, but there's a lot of mess that's going to happen before that time, and, and your descendants are going to be in a foreign land, which is Egypt. And they're going to multiply, and they're going to be slaves, and that's what Joseph... You know, if you know the story of Joseph, if not, you cover it in your growth group. You could pick that one. And Joseph was over all of Egypt, second in command. And, but God promised Abraham, they're going to be there 400 years in trouble. It's going to be, they, they end up turning to slaves, if you know the story. And Joseph knew the story. Joseph knew the promise that God gave to Abraham. It was passed along through the generations. And that's what Joseph was hoping for. Joseph wasn't going, well, yeah, I'm a rich man and... In Egypt, and uh, I'm going to give you each a mansion. You know what he's looking towards? He's saying, no, my home is in heaven. My home, this is not my home. My home is somewhere else. Matter of fact, when you leave this place, which is going to be a little bit more problems ahead, Joseph was still alive and <clears throat> things hadn't turned yet. Excuse me. So Joseph knew what was coming. And he said... I want to go with you. When God's people leave Egypt and go into the promised land, that's my home. That's my hope. Matter of fact, I'm going to die before that happens. I'll never see it. But take my bones with you. God commends that. Why? Because Joseph's faith and his hope was not in this life. It wasn't in his position and his power, which all looked good at that time. His great anticipation of faith was beyond sight. It was what was coming, and that's the lesson for all of us. It's not this life. In this world, you will have tribulation, Jesus said, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. That's the way it goes. So Joseph wanted his bones to be buried in the promised land, and he was trusting God's promise way back to Abram. So here's your next fill-in. Faith looks way ahead to the distant future. Faith is not a superpower to get our way. Faith is not faith in faith. Some people think, I've got faith, I can make anything. Believe in yourself. Everyone's got the wrong view of faith. Faith is believing God and looking forward to God's promise coming true. Now, let me read to you an excerpt from Warren Worsby. I like the way he summarizes this in the B series. He talks about the patriarchs. He calls his message faith waiting. If you listen to Warren Worsby's study on this, it's called Faith Waiting. The emphasis in this section is on the promise of God and the plans for the nation of Israel. The nation began began with the call of Abraham. God promised Abraham and Sarah a son, but they had to wait 25 years for the fulfillment of that promise. They had to wait 25 years. It takes patience to be a man or woman of faith. Their son Isaac became the father of Jacob and Esau, and it was Jacob who really built the nation through the birth of his 12 sons. Joseph saved the nation and the land of Egypt, and Moses would later deliver them out of Egypt. This didn't just, even though it may just take a couple pages in your Bible, long, long time of waiting. God, give us the patience of faith. He goes on to say elsewhere in his commentary that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Jacob Jacob, read slower, Mike, note to self. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph 
We have four generations of faith. These men sometimes failed, but basically they were men of faith. They were not perfect, but they were devoted to God and trusted His word. Isaac passed the promise the promises and the blessings along to Jacob, and Jacob shared them with his 12 sons, and Jacob was a pilgrim, for even as he was dying, he leaned on the pilgrim's staff. One more paragraph on this. We have to admire the faith of the patriarchs. They did not have a complete Bible, and yet their faith was strong. Uh, they handed God's promises down from one generation to another, and in spite of their failures and their testings, these men and women believed God and he bore witness to their faith. How much more faith should you and I have? I appreciate that. Thank you, Warren Worsby. Because what examples they are. They didn't have Bible. We got it all here. How did it go? How do I know I could trust God? Oh yeah, read it. Read your Bibles. It's all here recorded to help you and I walk in faith, to believe God's word, even if it's something we never see in our lifetime, like heaven, we're looking way ahead. So let me end with Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. I'm going to move ahead, but we, we've uh, read this before. Verse 13 says this, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, they were assured of them and embraced them and confessed that they are strangers and pilgrims on earth. Oh, for those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. Verse 15. And truly, if they had called and, excuse me, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out of, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, is a, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. God help me and God help you. God help us to have an eternal perspective. And so verse 13 again, put that up on PowerPoint. What are you embracing? What are you confessing today? Where the author says in verse 13. Let me end with just a couple scriptures and then we're going to have our communion time together. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, John writes this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Let me read that again in the New Living. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and a pride of our achievements and our possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything people crave. That word's used a lot in there. But anyone who does what is pleasing, what pleases God, will live forever. God help us. We're Christians. But we're living in a country that has seen much wealth much materialism, much carnality, and westernized Christianity has been affected by it. God help us. Let's fix our eyes on the promised land. Let's put our eyes of faith on the eternal. And one more verse, and we're going to have communion. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
I didn't include any other text after that for your PowerPoint, but it goes on to say that, that we're going to be suffering. We need to follow Jesus as our example. And remember, all the suffering we go through in life will be worth it all as we fix our eyes on Jesus. Can we do that? Can we keep proper perspective? Okay, I'm going to ask the band to come forward. We're going to have communion in a moment, but here's what I want you to be thinking about. What do you need to bring before the Lord that he's putting his finger on in your life that you're going, oh, God has spoken to me today and I need to change some things. What is it in your life that's been so carnal, so materialistic that you need to give it to God and go, Lord, help me to get my eyes on heaven and not that. What is it that you've been so focused on, so fixated on that it's keeping you from God's will in your life and, and you've got to say, God, I turn it over to you. I give this to you because I want to have your priorities in my life. I want to live your way. Would you just deal with that as we sing this next song before the Lord? Would you bring that to him and surrender it to him and let him do the work that he brought you here this morning to do? Father, we bow before you. And Lord, I know that there's a work. Every time we open your word, I know there's a lesson to learn. Lord, I pray that your people and me included, Lord, that, that we would all together hear your voice and obey it. That we'd surrender to you those things which should be surrendered. That we would recognize when you're either about to touch our hip and make us walk with a limp, or maybe we've already, we're already limping. Lord, help us to learn our lesson. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you, maybe you're here in the, in the sanctuary this morning or live streaming or maybe watching later on the radio and you've been listening to this message and God's saying to you, would you surrender your life to the one who really matters? Would you get your priorities right? Would you recognize that the wages of sin is death and all of sin and falls short of the glory of God and you need a Savior? Would you just surrender to Jesus and just... Just whisper a little prayer to him and say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that you're the Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Make me yours. I put my trust in you, Lord, as my Lord and as my Savior. Have your way in my life. I pray in Jesus. Jesus, he's the resurrection. We hope you enjoyed today's program. You can find all of Pastor Mike's messages and any other information you would like about Calvary Chapel Eagle online at cceagle.org. In iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast Calvary Chapel Eagle Sunday morning. If you are new to the area and don't already have a home church, we would love for you to come check us out. We meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle. That is one block north of Highway 44. You can call or text the church phone at 208-891-2635. Once again, you can get any information you need at cceagle.org. There you will also find a link to join our Facebook page. So until next time, remember, it's all about Jesus. Yeah, the power of His name.